Today I'm going to converse about something that I think we need to apply to ourselves. I don't believe anybody in this room applies what I'm going to state today correctly. That's quite a statement to make, and that's not being judgmental. I just, maybe I should make the statement this way. I know that I fall far short of where it needs to be. In conversing with that, I guess my point would be, it's interesting how sometimes uh, the, the, the MC in this situation, the first song we sang, I'll hail the power. I'm going to converse about that basically today. It's interesting we don't get together and how the Holy Spirit works through that. You'll understand what I mean when I get into the sermon today. I want you to think about that song. It had a lot, lot of mind or a lot of thought to me. Today, let me just reiterate something somebody said. There was a governor, I'm not going to mention his name, you basically probably already know it, that uh, came out against Christians. And he made the comment, the statement, and he was just quoting, in this situation, he was quoting a, a billionaire mogul cable man, if I can word it in that fashion. Uh, but the, the subject was directed that Christ was weak. Because if he did what he did, he was a weak individual. And more than that, the statement as this governor, who was, let's just put it in the uh, Great Lakes area, leave it at that, this governor made a statement. And the statement he made was, we give too much credence to Christians today. They have too much power. We shouldn't be listening to this voice, this body. That's quite a statement to make, considering... Someday, who, who they're going to be approached where they're facing. We understand that. But you know what I'm stating today, and as I get in this conversation, or I get in this sermon, we're going to apply something to yourself. I really want you to look at it from your own personal viewpoint. The potential within you that you're not utilizing. You'll understand what I mean when I get continue. Paraphrasing this governor, Christ was weak and, and we give too much power to Christians today. We live in a society today that you have to analyze... 88% of the population does not attend church on a regular basis. That's quite an insulting number, if you get technical. That's quite an insulting number to think about the world tomorrow and what we're going to be faced with, to think about how that's going to be turned around. We live in a society today, in this situation, that we don't make a decision without consulting a doctor. That's a statement to be made about the applicability in our, every one of our lives. We live in a society today that we cannot bow our heads before a meal in public because we feel ashamed. Don't we? I continue. I started thinking of some of these things. I said, apply the Ten Commandments to our society today. It's pretty easy to do. Religion and idolatry is worn around the neck. Take a look around. It is. They idolize that rather than what they should be uh, idolizing, if you want to put it to sense. You can continue down that way. On a cartoon, it's not commonplace in this situation. It's commonplace for, to hear someone take God's name in vain. In cartoons, who's that geared towards? This is a society, if you can word it that way, that we live in, what we look at. Man in the situation, 1,800 years ago, or however you want to word it, taking the first day of the week, as a day of worship, rather than removing the seventh day and removing the seventh day. It's now not just accepted, it's expected to keep Sunday over Saturday. That's the society you live in, brethren. What did Christ say when he said the prayer? He said, there, says, you need to look at thy kingdom come and thy will be done. What happens when he returns? This is going to be changed. 
you know, when I'm done today, I'm hoping there's a fire in all of us. I'm hoping we get a little burning mad. We need to be. You understand what I mean as I continue. Where if you continue down the commandments in this fashion, a woman's choice is not called murder. It's their choice. That's the society we live in. Murder is a woman's choice. Think about the commandments as they fall in line. A vow before God is impossible to keep. How many times have you heard that? Monogamy. You can't do it. Are these truths? How much do we allow this within our daily realm, ourselves? How much have we allowed it to be absorbed? Unless there's personal damage, and I can tell you this from personal experience, unless you're personally assaulted, if somebody steals from you, you're going to receive a letter in the, in the mail that's going to tell you what to fill out for property loss, and they're going to tell you to contact your insurance company. That's how theft's thought of. This is the society we live in today. A place where even God's ministers, if you can word it that way, or at one time, can pollute the truth just to change, just twist things, to where they can bear false witness against brethren. Think about it. This is the society you live in today. Continue in this situation. A society where it's okay to look. Right? It's okay to look, but don't touch. And if you touch, don't get caught touching. Other than that, you're fine. It almost seems hopeless. We're not living in a place in this situation. This is not God's world. So we get in the subject today. That's exactly what I'd like to talk about. You're not going to change this, so why try? Isn't that really our motto? This is the way it's always been. This is, this is how we know it's expected. This is what's prophesied. But is that prophesied for you? That's the key. Is the prophecy of what's going to happen for you how are you going to apply yourself in that situation? Today I'd like to talk about power. I mean absolute power. What is absolute power? I tell you, the reason why we're here today. If I were to give this, actually giving this sermon a title. The power of God. The question is, do you have it? And I'm going to state to you, as I'll state in the end, potentially you do. Now what you do with it is your own mindset. Isn't that why we're here today? The Bible, we read miracle after miracle. Is it just applicable to what we read today? Or does it apply to us also? Were those promises just given to those people that we read about in his word? Or were they given to us also? The power. God's Holy Spirit, how it's going to work with you. How are you going to let, let it be applied today? This power. Would it make a change in the situation? Today I'm going to cover four points. The first one's rather lengthy and the last ones will not be as long. So, But the first point that I really like to apply is prayer. How does prayer apply in your life? That's a question you need to ask yourself. Why do I state that? Is prayer important? Is prayer a tool in the situation? You bet it is. Is it a powerful tool? Absolutely is. It's the way you're going to actually have your personal relationship with God Almighty. It is how you, with the Holy Spirit working with you, will get things accomplished. Do you believe it? Do you have the power? That's a question you need to ask yourself. Let's turn to Matthew 6. Can you make things happen with prayer? Matthew 6 and verse number 5. 
And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues, not in the corner, <clears throat> and in the corner streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have the reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to the Father, which is in secret, and thy Father may see it the secret, shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions, as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Some instruction from Christ himself. And you look at the situation here, I guess my point is, how do you pray? You think about what God says later. He says he's going to glorify you, right? It'll be glorifying God whenever that prayer is answered. Now, if you say it openly, your expectations is what? You've received what you what you receive. But whenever you say it in secret, doesn't that glorify God? This is not a physical realm. We're talking about a spiritual realm we need to be looking at. What's your relationship to God? And is prayer powerful? Point straightforward. Luke 11. This is not in time in this situation to impress the fellow man. This is not a time to puff yourself up when you're on your knees and pray before him. Luke 11 and verse 39. And the Lord said unto him, Now do, you, now do ye Pharisees make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but your inward part is full of ravingness and wickedness, of raving and wickedness. Ye fools, did not he that made that which is without make that which is within also? What does that state to you directly? Prayer is not something that you vocalize outside. It's what's inside. You think he cannot, he, not, he doesn't know you better than you do yourself? Better analyze what's going on. The power of prayer. Verse 41. But rather give alms of such things as ye have, and behold, all things are clean unto you. This isn't talking about you now. What's your relationship? This power of prayer. Can you use it? God's looking in this situation. What's inside? When you bow before God, is it humbly? Or do you bow before him saying, this is just my obligation of how I need to do this? Do you contribute an X amount period of time, and after that period of time, that's it? You'd have nothing else to say? You think about it. Think about how much time, how little time we give to prayer. This sermon came to be because last week, how little time I had. It's amazing how irritable you become when you don't get in prayer and Bible study. It's amazing. I start Bible studying, I start praying this week, and all of a sudden I calm down. It's amazing. Think about it. The power of prayer. Unbelievable. Luke 18. A lot of verses to cover, so I better get going here. Luke 18 and verse number 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray, and one the Pharisee, <coughs> Pharisee, the other the publican. We know this parable. What does it mean, and how does it apply to you? The Pharisee stood and prayed with himself, thus with himself. God, I thank thee, that I am not as other men are extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. The humble prayer. I fast twice a week. Twice. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not even lift so much his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful on me, a sinner. How do you come before God? You think this was for a reason? You think this was stated for a reason? You feel pretty comfortable about your life right now? That you're doing everything correctly? Come before God, you need to be with the right attitude. 
And I'll get into that as we study this prayer. If it's not, what takes place? We're talking about yourself. God is not in the situation respect of persons. He's looking at what's inside, not what's outside. doesn't matter what you do in tithe. doesn't matter how long you fast. doesn't matter how much you read. If you don't apply it in the right fashion, where does it put you? If you come before him in an unworthy manner, will he hear you? Isn't that a worthy question? John 9. John 9 and verse 31. Straightforward situation. And you have to read the entire thing in context, but this is a lot stated here. John 9 verse 31. Now we know that God heareth not sinners. So if you're not right with God, he's not going to hear your prayer. Understand the program. But if any be a worshiper of God, he that doeth his will, him, he heareth. This is a man that was blind from birth. Never had this happened before that they were aware of. What took place? God doesn't hear sinners. We need to understand that. James 4. As I said, we got a lot of material to cover today, so I apologize for that. But there's a lot to be said about this topic. James 4 and verse 1. From whence comes wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even your lusts that war in your members. Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, and ye cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss. What does that mean? What are you asking for? What did you come before God with what type of an attitude with? You ask amiss. Every time your prayer is not answered, you ask, why? You ask amiss, and ye may consume it upon your lusts, ye adulterers and adulteresses. Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain? The spirit that dwelleth in lusts is to envy, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. How do we come before him, brethren? This situation, ask yourself. When you don't receive what you asked for, did you ever go back and ask why? Prayer is a tool. Prayer is a powerful tool. It's your relationship to God. If you give it five minutes a day, that's your relationship to God. Where's your priorities? If you give it 15 minutes a day, ask yourself the same. You look at yourself instead of others when prayers aren't answered. Isn't that a legitimate question? Job 27. Job 27 and verse number 7. Let mine enemy be as the wicked, and he that rises up against me as the righteous, unrighteous, excuse me. For what is the hope of the hypocrite? Thou he hath gained, when God taketh away his soul. This next verse is major. Will God hear his cry when he cometh when trouble cometh upon him? Is he going to listen to the hypocrite? What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say if you say you're doing one thing and you do something else? Is he going to listen to you? The power of prayer, brethren. Will he delight himself in the Almighty? Will he always call upon God? You know, the statement made by a, a governor of Minnesota. Okay, I'll go a little further. 
give a little bit interesting. Statement made by the governor of Minnesota saying that we are weak. Christians are weak. Take that personally. And I mean it. I'm not saying in the fashion where you're looking at, well, this man will be judged for that. That's not our job. We don't judge. But we take the statement and we can look at it and say, are we? We have the power behind us to move mountains. And I'll prove that to you later. Do we use it? We fall short. I said we all do. At least I can hold myself accountable. I fall short. Psalms 18. Psalm 18. Excuse me, that's Psalms. Psalm 18. And verse number 41. They cried, but there was none to save them. Even unto the Lord... But he answered them not. Could there be a time where we cry and he does not answer? Why? Do we ask ourselves the question? Do we hold ourselves accountable? When will God hear you? When will he hear us? When will he answer your prayers? Obviously, this power. When do you have the power of God? Concerning prayer, when he answers them, maybe. Have you ever had a prayer not answered you didn't understand and five years down the road you sit there and say, Okay, I'm a little slow, but I understand. Right? I think it all happens. He knows best. Don't hold it accountable. John 14. Power of prayer. John 14 and verse 13. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. Is Christ a liar, brother? We fall short. And I say that. When we ask, where's our hearts? Where do we believe? Where we fall in line. All of us. You know why? You take a look at the environment around us. And all these things I read to begin with. You take a look at how they apply to us. And how we allow them to actually, if I can say, dissolve within us. We absorb them. We listen to doubt. Which is by who? And we allow it within us. In my name that will I do. And the Father may be glorified in, my, in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. What a statement. If you love me, keep my commandments. Oh, we're going to get to that in a little bit as, a, as another part. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. This Holy Spirit, this earnest, this little bit you've been given, how do you apply it? Do you wake it up? Do you stir it up? Obviously in prayer. This is conditional, if you notice, though. If you love me, keep my commandments. If. That's what separates the men from the boys, if you want to put it in that fashion. John 15 and verse 7. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Is this a true statement? Verse 16. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit that your fruit should remain, and whatsoever you shall ask in the, in the Father in my name, He may give it to you. He may give it to you. Who's going to be glorified in a prayer? You're in a closet, you do a prayer, and it's answered. Nobody knows about it but you and God. Where's the glory come? You didn't do it. You prayed for a reason. Think about the power that we have at our fingertips if we do what's right and come before Him with the right attitude. Do we see it in that fashion? Conditional. It's conditional. It's not guaranteed. You have to do something first. 
Mark 11. Mark 11, verse number 24. Therefore I say unto you that what things soever you desire, when ye pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. Believe in your prayers. There's an idea. You know the difference between what you re what you see in our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be that, if I can word it that way. The repetition of the world around us. The difference between the repetitious prayers and the difference between what you should be doing needs to be coming from inside the plate. You're not just trying to impress somebody that you know how to quote things. Is that the way we do it every time we sit before God? Every time we, we kneel before God? Question we need to ask. Verse, 24, uh, verse 25. And when ye stand praying, forgive. For if ye ought against any, and your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespass. Oh, another thing we need to apply to our lives. But if ye do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. So in other words, if you have an arrogant attitude and you have something against somebody else, and you get on your knees, you think God's going to hear your prayer? That's not what this just said. Prayer as a tool, as a power. Unbelievable. And we underestimate it. We shorten it. First thing we give up. The right TV shows on. What goes away? Pretty serious. How should we pray? Humbly, obviously, in this situation. Let's turn to 1 Kings 8. Pick up on Solomon. 1 Kings 8 and verse number 54. And it was so, when Solomon had made an end of praying, all this prayer and supplication to the Lord, and he arose before the altar of the Lord from kneeling on his knees. You know, it's a difference. You see royalty walk into a room and people will drop to one knee. It's not what God wants at all. You come before him humbly. Both knees. Ezra 9. You kneel on your knees. You get on your knees and, and with the right attitude. Ezra 9 and verse number 5. And at the evening sacrifice I arose up from my heaviness, and having rent my garment and my mantle, I fell upon my knees, both knees, not just one. Come before God in the physical action correctly, not just one knee. You know, I was reading an article this week. I tried picking up different things stated, and it was interesting that somebody made a comment that they prayed on their pillow before they went to bed at night. That's well, kind of nice to hear that, isn't it? Think of the time. Think of what you're coming before. I mean, what they were saying wasn't you're kneeling on both knees with your pillow. I've seen that before. I'm talking about they were actually praying on their pillow before they fell asleep. Is that the way God would like you to come before him? How will it be when he returns? Every knee will bow. Should we be ashamed of praying? Luke 9. Should there be shame when you pray? Isn't it amazing the society we live in today? You know, and, and the church is always taught, don't get me wrong, church is always taught that you don't offend people when you're in a restaurant. What's stopping you from praying before you go into the restaurant? Or what's stopping you if you are in a private place of praying when you're there? Luke 9, in verse number 18. And it came to pass as he was alone, praying. His disciples were with him. Was Christ ashamed of praying anywhere? Verse 28, And it came to pass that eight days after these sayings, he took Peter and John and James, and he went up into the mountain to pray. There's no shame. 
Your communication isn't with man anyway. You're not trying to impress them anyway. If that's why you're bowing your head, you're doing it for the wrong reason. Your impression is not to them at all. To actually thank God for, one, or giving you the meal, or you come before him with the right attitude. Getting you out of a situation or putting you, or allowing you to see the situation, the results of it. The power. you got to ask yourself, when should we pray? Isn't that a legitimate question? Only when we have trouble? I've heard that comment before. Psalm 55. David set an example before us. Psalm 55. Verse number 17. Evening and morning and noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. Daniel 6. Daniel 6 and verse number 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, and he went into the house, and his windows being opened, and the chamber towards Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees, Three times a day, and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he did aforetime. Is there an example to be given? You apply yourself. First Thessalonians 5.17, we know it. We don't really need to turn to it. What does it say? Pray without ceasing. All the time. This is a communication line between you and your Creator. How can it ever be enough? Ask yourself in that realm. Point straightforward. <clears throat> is prayer... In this situation, a strength for a Christian. Is it? Hopefully you've read a couple of these verses that we just numbered off. Is it a strength, brother? It can be. Or it can be a weakness. Think about what God said in the situation. These times we're living about. These times we're living in today. That's communication and prayer. What we're going to see. Turn to Micah. Micah 3. These times we live in today, do they apply? Does prayer apply? Micah 3 and verse number 4. Who also eat the flesh of my people and flay the skin from off them, and they break their bones and they chop them in pieces, as for a pot, as flesh within the cauldron. Verse number 4. And then shall they cry unto the Lord, but, when he, but he will not hear them. And he will even hide his face from them at the time, as they have behaved themselves ill in their doings. Is there a time period where he will not hear? This governor from Minnesota, is he right? Hosea 5. The question is up to you. I made the statement earlier. Potentially you have power. What you do with prayer is potential. It's not a guarantee. What you do with it is what you do with it. It can be used for you or against you. Hosea 5, verse number 6. They shall go to with their flocks and with their herds and seek the Lord, but they shall not find him. He hath withdrawn himself from them. But the times we live in today, what's the easiest way to break communication with God? Stop praying. Individual communication. Try to stop prayer. First Peter two. Excuse me, second Peter two. Second Peter two and verse number seventeen. These are walls without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. And when they speak great swelling words of vanity, when they speak great swelling words of vanity, what's coming out? They allureth through the lust of the flesh, through much wantingness. Those that were clean escaped from them, 
who live in, in air. Verse number 21. For it had been better that, for them that had not have known the way of righteousness than after they had known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog is turned from his vom own vomit again, and they sow. And the sow that was washed in her wallow, wallowing in the mire. Point straightforward. You don't look at the men for speaking with vanity. You don't stand in the in this situation, in the public places, and proclaim how much of a Christian you are. You show it. And this example, what he's saying, that we're giving too much credence to this quote, we want to word it, it's uh, the word I'm looking for, lobby, lobbying department, if you want to put it in that fashion, using government terms. These lobbyists for religionists, that's not where the power is going to come from. Don't be fooled. If we're going to get anything done using this tool, it's going to be on our knees in a place where we don't get in a public arena. And we pray that God hears that prayer. It's not going to be as a group in a voting booth. That's not where it's going to happen. If it's his will, it's going to happen. That's where our understanding needs to be. Power of prayer is unbelievable. And it could take one, just one person, to change it if it's God's will. Power of prayer. <clears throat> prayer isn't just words in the situation. Matthew 6. Not going to get accomplished by just using a lot of terminology or words, speaking. Matthew 6 and verse number 9. After in this manner, therefore, pray thee, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Where should the reverence be? It's not saying that this is what we go through over and over again, and this is when we get on our knees, this is what we should be saying. This is just a sketch. That's what Christ gave us, of how we should come before him, our creator, and say this is the, you know, how great it is to come before you, the only one, the sustainer, the creator. That's what the sketch is leading us to. Hallowed be thy name. Nothing is like it. Thy kingdom come. Do we pray for his return? Are we sick and tired of what we see today? The environment we see around us? Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Think about the world tomorrow. About what we see here. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, our evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Just a sketch, brother. Just to tell you what to do. This isn't something to be repeated over and over again. You get on your knees, I guess the question I have to ask you. Is it with the right attitude? You think about this prayer as you go through it. Thank you for the daily bread. Come before you. The glory is to God our Father. Nothing you do. A little different. Just a rough draft. Matthew 5 and verse 44. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despisefully, despisefully use you and persecute you. Toughest thing in the world to stand before or to bow before and actually pray before somebody that's actually used you and abused you, isn't it? It goes against our carnal human nature. Well, good. That's the way it should be. And if it strikes a nerve in you, then maybe you need to pray for that nerve to be refuted. What's our ambition here? For everybody to overcome. 
What's Satan's ambition here? To distract everybody here. If your ambition is not for everybody to overcome, and you're not praying for that, you need to reanalyze what Christ was here for. He didn't come for the people that, quote, didn't need assistance. He came for the sinner. Don't be a judge. Don't use the, utilize the evaluation that way. James 1, don't pray to punish. Don't ask for something at your enemy's hands. You know, when, when Christ, when Solomon asked for wisdom, what did Christ say to him in that situation? That's something for you to look up. That's a great point. James 1 and verse number 5. And if any lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that he give it to all men liberally, and unbraideth not, unbraideth it not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that hath faith, for he that wavereth is like a wave on the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. You get on your knees, you believe the prayer is going to happen, brother? Or are you just going through the motions? Are you so tired you probably shouldn't get on your knees to begin with? How do we come before our Creator? Power of prayer is unbelievable. Ephesians, we bring this to this first point to a close. Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6 and verse number 18. Praying always with prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Do you in this situation pray for each other? When one body, one part of the entity hurts, they all hurt? Do we look at it in that fashion? Power of prayer. Don't underestimate the power of prayer. Point number two. The power of fasting. Is it powerful? What's the point of fasting to begin with? Why do it? Well, sometimes it cleans out the system and it's good for you. No, that's not it at all, brother. You're a physical body. You're a physical entity and you thrive on certain needs. Quote, you do that hierarchy of needs. Food, shelter, etc., etc. You come before God with the right attitude and the right manifested attitude. You come before him with a fast. What are you doing? You're humbling yourself. And if you're not humbling yourself, then you need to think about how you're fasting. Because you can fast all you want. The Pharisee did. I fast twice a week. And what did it mean to God? Come before him with a fast. It's for a reason, just because somebody's sick or ill. You come before him because you want your prayer to be answered. It's not being. It's not being. How about working what's inside? Yourself, first. Fasting's for a reason. Is it powerful? These physical bodies have a lot of vanity, don't they? Boy, after 24 hours, I have no trouble eating. Imagine 40 days. How in this situation does God wish us to humble ourselves? Let's turn to Matthew 6. Matthew 6 and verse number 17. Be thou when thou fast, anoint thy head, and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. It's not to men, brethren, again. This is a power you can utilize. It's not to men, it's to God. You come before him with that attitude. In different words, you come before God. When you fast. Mark 9. Mark 9 and verse number 28. And when he had come into the house with his disciples, asked him privately. And you need to read the entire thing in context here. Why could we not cast him out? Why could they not in this situation? What did Christ respond to? 
And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. You have to be the you have to have the right orientation before you come before him. In all ways. Is it in vain? Do we fast in vain sometimes? Do we pray in vain? You bet we do. The question is how we do this. Matthew 4, and verse number 1. Then was Jesus led up in the spirit by the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was hungry. You know the major point here. You look at a period of weakness. When did Satan the devil think he could actually take Christ? When did he approach him? When he thought he was physically drained. 40 days and 40 nights without food. An actual fast. Think about that. Satan the devil approaches him at this point in time, and now you have a situation where our creator, manifested in the flesh, in this situation comes before him, and how does he respond? When you fast, it spiritually makes you stronger. It will, if you do it properly. Do we think of it in that fashion? What happened here? It was a major mistake to approach him at that time. Everything he responds here to, you read it yourself, is a spiritual answer. Something to understand. Physically weak, but spiritually at his high point. Jeremiah 14. Jeremiah 14, verse number 10. Can you fast in vain, brethren? Jeremiah 14, verse 10. Thus saith the Lord unto this people, Thus have they loved to wonder, that they, they have not refrained their feet. Therefore the Lord doth not accept them, and he will remember their iniquity, and visit their sins. Then said the Lord unto me, Pray not for these people, for their good. When they fast, I will not hear their cry. Can you fast in vain? I say you can't. When we come before God, is it our own illusion? Are we trying to be hypocritical? Are we trying to be pharisaical, if I can word it in that fashion? Make it personal. Don't make it your own personal situation where you're doing it because you want to be better than everyone else. You do it to humble yourself. Illustration. If you're not right, this is just another illustration of the situation. If you're not right before him, it could be in vain. Fasting is a powerful tool to draw nearer to God. Third point, principle, Bible study. What a statement to make. Bible study is important. Why? How could that be a power? If you don't know what you're doing and you're just following, how's God going to actually accept you and receive you when he returns? If you're not studying for yourself. Matthew 4.4, 4, what does it say? Every word. Every word. Not just a few. Not just a couple in context. Not just by pulling out certain verses and saying, see, this is what the Bible says. I'm talking about the entire context. Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Every one. Bible study is important. How does this situation allow Christians to have power? How are you going to know it's the truth? If you just take context by context. If you don't study it for yourself. When you stand before your Creator, are you going to be able to sit there and say, oh, I didn't understand this, this, and this. I understand my entire salvation was based on it, but I didn't look it up myself. I just believed what others had told me. How is that going to make you look? 
Think Bible study is important? John 7. John 7, verse number 16. If any man will do his will and shall know of the doctrine, how are you going to know of it if you haven't done your own study? God's going to reveal it to you, obviously. You've been called. You've been given that opportunity. But if you don't pursue it yourself, can it fade? Obviously it can. Whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. He that speaketh of himself speaketh his own glory. But he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true. And no unrighteousness is in him. Did not Moses give you the law? And yet none of you keepeth the law. Why goeth about to kill me? Christ comments, straightforward. Do you hold fast to that doctrine? How can you if you haven't done your own study? John 14 and verse 1, excuse me, John 14 and verse 21. He that hath my commandments, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved by of my Father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Verse 23, and Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me and keep my words, how do you know to keep those words, brethren, unless you're doing your own personal Bible study? Somebody else going to tell you? And my Father will love him, and we will come unto him, and we will make our abode with him. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. And the word which is, uh, ye hear is not mine, but the Father which sent me. Straightforward. Do we love his words? Do we live for his words? Are they the only thing we abide by? Psalm 1. That would be one of my favorite psalms. Psalm. Psalm 1 and verse number 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. That's where the delight should be. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. That's the law we should be going with. And he shall be like a, a tree planted by the rivers of water, and bringeth forth his fruit in the season, and his leaf, shall not, leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he do shall prosper. Will God encourage in this situation his Holy Spirit to work with you? If you don't Bible study. How can this Holy Spirit be stirred if you don't look it up yourself? If you don't do, if, if the only time you have function with the church or with the Bible in this situation is right here today. How can you be stirred? Power. You've got power. You've got potential. God says if you asked this to be revealed to you, you've been called, you've been given that earnest, you're going to know what it says. He says it. Is he a liar? So you have a situation here. The responsibility is now on your shoulders, not in his. He told you what to do. You have the potential. Are we applying it? What happens in this situation when we don't study? Can it be taken away? Proverbs 1. Proverbs 1 and verse number 22 how long will ye simple ones will ye love simplicity and the scorners delight in the scorner scorning and the fools hate knowledge? How long will you hate knowledge? Turn you at my reproof. How do you reproof? Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you and I will make known my words unto you. Because I have called 
and ye have refused. I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. But ye, ye have set not at my counsel, and would none have none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity, and I will mock when your fear cometh. That's quite a statement to be made. All the way down to verse number 29. And when your fear cometh a desolation, and your desolation cometh as a whirlwind, and when your distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon, you, <clears throat> upon me, but I will not answer. And they shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For they that hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Bible study power? Absolutely. Proverbs 28 and verse 9. Proverbs 28 and verse number 9. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. Is Bible study power? How easy in this situation is it to understand God's law, brother? Matthew 7. How easy has he made it accessible? Matthew 7 and verse 7. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth. And him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom the son has asked bread? Will he give him a stone? Or if he asked her a fish, will he give him a serpent? If then, being evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. So much how, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them which ask Him? You Bible study and you pray about it? You ask it? Is it going to happen? Are you going to understand? He says so. Fourth point. Power. Faith. Faith is power. How do you get it? How does it come to you? Can you grow? Faith straightforward. Hebrews 11, as we need to pick it up, down to my last five minutes. Hebrews 11 and verse number one. Now faith is the substance, meaning the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. For by it elders obtained a good report. Though faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which do appear. Verse six. But without faith it is impossible to please him. He can't do it. For he that cometh to God must believe, and he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Why? You ask yourself that point? Why would it be impossible? Well, let me ask a question. If you don't believe he was who he was, and what he does sustains what he is now, you don't believe he called you, you don't believe he's given you everything it is, why do you pray? Why bother? Why do you fast? Why study? What would be the point? That'd be in vain. If you don't believe it, it's nothing to you. Why is faith so important? Is faith a powerful tool? Matthew 21. We all know these verses, but we're going to run them anyway. Matthew 21 and verse 19. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came down to it and found nothing thereon, and only the leaves only. And he said to it, Let no fruit on this uh, on thee therefore henceforth forever grow on thee forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. 
We're talking like that. What if you saw that? And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is this fig tree withered away? And Jesus answered and said to them, Verily I say unto you, If ye have the faith, and doubt not, ye shall not only do to this which is done to the fig tree, but also ye shall say unto the mountain, Be thou removed, and be cast into the sea, and it shall be done. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believeth, ye shall receive. That's quite a major statement. Luke 17. You know, I, whenever I read that, I, I think to myself one thing. Does doubt control my mind? Luke 17 and verse number 6. And the Lord said, If thou had the faith, the grain of a mustard seed. You know how big a mustard seed is, brother? Think of how little your faith is. You might say unto the sycamore tree, Be thou plucked up, by root and be planted in the sea and it should obey you. When I tell my kids to do something, I'm not sure if they're going to do it. Understand? But to tell a tree, think about how little our faith is. Do we believe the statement's true? Obviously we can continue that way. <clears throat> Were they just in the situation? Were there just individuals in the Bible that we read about? They utilize faith? Of course. 1 John 5. 1 John 5 and verse number 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and they may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in, that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Hebrews 10, pick up the pace almost there. Hebrews 10, and verse number 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiness by the blood of Jesus. He was our Passover. By a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us. Through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. He is our unleavened bread. And having a high priest over the house of God, he is our high priest. Let us draw near with true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled with, the evil, with an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. It's your choice, if I can word it this way, to believe or not. It's your choice in this situation to listen to what I'm stating to you today. It's yours. I'm not going to be held accountable after this point, for you, right? You are. I'm going to be held accountable for me. You look at prayer, the power. You look at fasting. You look at Bible study. And you look at faith. You tell me the potential within yourself and how it's untapped. It's a scary concept. Does God acknowledge the lack of faith? Obviously he does. In Hebrews 10, verse 35. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after that ye have done the will of God. He might receive the promise for yet a little while. And he that shall come with, will come, and will tarry, not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. 
But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Do we now? Is faith that readily to us, available, brethren? I tell you in this situation, to look at this in summary, God's Holy Spirit is going to stir these four things within you, if I can word that fashion. What you do with them is the power that you're going to have and that relationship you're going to have to God. Is it important? Absolutely. It's a matter of life and death. It's of most importance. What you do with this. Will we draw back or will we deny the power of God? Last verse today, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 3, verse number 1. This know also in the last time, days perilous times shall come. What are we talking about? The times we're in right now. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God. This is the major statement in verse number 5. Having the form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. My statement to you directly is this. You've been given all these things. You've been given the power of prayer. You've been told to do it. You've been given Bible study. You've been given fast. God's given you everything. He's given you every element there is. You're the situation now that needs to kick in. You're the one. What are you going to do with it? Fasting, Bible study. Are we going to be guilty of what we read here in 2 Timothy? Denying the power of. 